episode 20, Three Steps to Begin Living Your Best Life with actress, writer, and producer, Bethany Watson. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful, but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you. So you can live Life Amplified. Bruce Lee once famously said, the function and duty of a quality human being is the sincere and honest development of one's potential. What we're talking about today on Life Amplified is growth. It's necessary for all of us, but it's also incredibly scary because it requires us to leave our comfort zone and take a huge risk. And there are a few people in my life that I know of that have taken a bigger risk than our guest today. Bethany Watson is probably best known as the longtime co-host of the nationally syndicated Elvis Duran and The Morning Show, which reaches an audience over 10 million people every day across 80 cities. She had financial security, a great job, amazing co-workers, but yet, as you're going to find out today, she felt pulled by the universe to use her talents in a new and different way, which is why she walked away from one of the cushiest jobs in broadcast media to pursue her dream of acting and producing. We recently sat down at her apartment in New York City and had an amazing conversation that includes some of the following topics three small steps you can take to start a change in your life right now. How trusting your intuition can help guide you during a major transition. The importance of a good shower cry. How to use where you're at right now to leverage where you want to go next. How shifting your life can open up your creativity in new ways. How to know when you need a change. Why self-care is the key to getting what you want. And three tools and strategies to take action in spite of overwhelming fear. I think you're going to love Bethany and this conversation. And if you do, be sure to let us know you're listening. Just screenshot this podcast, upload it to Twitter or Instagram. You can find her on Instagram at Ms. Bethany Watson, or you can find her on Twitter at Radio Bethany. You can find me on both those platforms at CSC Dan Mason. And if you're moved by today's message, be sure to share this with the people that you love. And don't forget, you can give us a follow on the iHeartRadio app or leave those ratings and reviews up on Apple Podcast. If you've got a big dream, If you feel compelled to grow in a new and different way, this interview is for you. Three steps to begin living your best life with Bethany Watson. Bethany Watson, welcome to Life Amplified. Thank you. I like being welcomed into my own apartment. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Welcome to your bedroom floor. We are uh, hanging out at Bethany's beautiful apartment in New York City, just kind of sitting on the floor, putting on mud masks. Yep talking about uh, relationships yes. and uh, doing each other's hair. Yep. It's very much like the pink ladies from Greece, actually. Yeah, yeah and we are wearing similar outfits, <laughs> uh, some nice pink satin jackets. You look very pretty. Oh, thank you. You're thank welcome. you. You know how to make a boy blush. <laughs> we got a lot of people who found this podcast because they know you from the Elvis Duran show. Yeah. We got a lot of people who've just found this podcast because they found it online, and we've got international people who have no idea what the Elvis Duran show is. So why don't we give a quick introduction on who you are and what you've been up to right now. That's an elevator pitch for yourself. Yeah, I'm not great at elevator pitches. My name is Bethany. So I'm originally from Wisconsin in the central part of America. And I moved to New York about five years ago to be on Elvis Duran in the morning show. And it was the best thing that's ever happened to me. That is number one, the best thing 
ever because it changed my life. And for people, by the way, who are listening from a city where they can't hear the show, I'll go ahead and say it because you probably wouldn't want to. Really, the biggest radio morning show in America, the go-to place for pop culture, relationship talk, music and fun in the morning. I mean, it's a big deal. And for anybody in the broadcasting industry, to get to that level really represents the pinnacle. I mean, it is being at the very top of your game, at the highest level, at the biggest radio station in America. It's a dream job. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I announced that I was leaving, people were running over my still warm dead body to like try and get that job because it is the most incredible platform you could ever hope to have. And now that we've sit here and like pitch people on why they should apply to take your job <laughs> and talked about why it's the most amazing job in the world, this is why I wanted to invite you to be on the show to have the discussion because you reached the very top of your career and then you walked away from it because you wanted more. Yeah, no one's ever said it that way before. I had hit a point in my radio career where, you know, I felt like I had accomplished what I could and I still have an entire lifetime ahead of me. And Mm -hmm. so I need to try the next thing I need to do. I know I want to do more. And this position that I'm in is not going to sustain me for another 40 years. So and it could sustain you financially for a good deal of that. But sure. what you're talking about is at a soul level, right? An emotional fulfillment. Right. I felt like I had learned so many things from that show. Elvis has taught me just about being a human. I just learned so much from him. And then I realized that I still wanted more. So there was something else within you creatively that wanted to be expressed. You've had other interests away from Well, and I think anybody can relate to this right now, that you have other interests away from your job. Right. And for you, it was in writing, producing, performing, acting. Yeah. All of like, a lot of people ask, how do you get into radio? Like, how, Bethany, did you get into radio? And my background was not in radio. My background was always in live performance. So my college degree was in theater arts um, and then I also trained in improv. So I got into radio because I had improvisational skills and whatever I lacked in knowing how to run a board I made up for in having comedic timing being able to read a room know what needs to be said when to pull back and let someone else shine because that's kind of where my heart has always been that was something that I always felt it was a loss to not be able to do that as much as I wanted to do that And a lot of times there are many people out there who probably had some huge that still have some huge dream in their life that they have a gift within them that they want to give in a bigger way. And a lot of times as kids we hear, but you can't make a living doing that. Yeah. Nobody makes a living as an actor. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So was that what it was for you? Was it just something that you were told growing up? Well, why don't you find something with financial security? Why don't you? Were were there reasons given to you why you shouldn't go after it? No, my family was totally supportive. It was always me. There was always something holding me back. And it was usually anxiety and a lot of insecurity that I absolutely had to push through. And um, I know now that if I had moved to LA when I was 17 and tried to be an actor, I would 
100% not be alive today. Like, no question. Tell me about that. Why is that? Like, I've been honest on on the show, on the morning show that I was on and on social media that I have had mental health issues my whole life. A lot of anxiety, severe depression. It hit early on. And I didn't get a chance to really understand that and help get that treated until I was working in the regular workforce and had insurance and sort of understood myself better. If I was 17, I would have moved to LA. I would have been depressed. I would have had panic attacks. I probably would have found someone who could get me drugs that made me feel great. And then I probably would have ended it. Like I just, my depression was at such, such a severe level that it would have been a crash and burn situation pretty quickly. Which we see a lot in Hollywood. Yeah. We see it in the music industry when people are looking for something outside themselves to fill that void. Yeah. Whether it be fame, fans, money, awards, it works in the short term, but it never seems to provide lasting fulfillment. And if you have something chemically going on and you're not getting it treated, you can't even begin to figure out what you want because you're just trying to survive. So I see it definitely as a gift that I didn't try to pursue it. You and I have talked before about taking certain steps and you're like, when are you going to do something? And I've always said, I'll know when it's time because even when I was after college and working at a bank, I knew it wasn't time and I didn't know why I knew that, but I just knew it wasn't yet time to dive into this head first. And I know now I sort of got smacked upside the head and realized now it's time. And what changed for you to know that now's the time to walk away from security, from a fair amount of significance in the job that you were at? Yeah. Fans who look up to you, cushy job. Why now as opposed to two years ago or as opposed to 10 years ago? I was getting very sick. Listeners had noticed that I was missing from work a lot because I got the flu like twice a year in the winter. Um, any cold that came through the office, I got it. And it was because I wasn't sleeping. The thing that I loved about the morning show is that you woke up before everybody else. So it was this kind of cool private time that you had that no one else was awake. But I was waking up at three. I had a morning radio job before this one. So I'd been waking up at 3 a.m. for 10 years. And you know, having to do things at night, I just wasn't getting the amount of sleep that I needed. I wasn't just doing the morning show. So the, the morning show happened. And then there's several other projects after the morning show that we were doing. And then I'm in treatment for an eating disorder, which I've been honest about on um, social media as well. And so after the morning show was done, I would go into doctor's appointments. So then I would get out of the doctor's appointments around three. So now we're running at about 12 hours. And then I was trying to take steps to do these other things that I loved. So like acting classes or, you know, producing this web series or writing. So now we're at 5 or 6 p.m. And I was just drained. And then if there's an event that we had that night or a trip we had to take, I was just depleted. And so my health was suffering. My recovery was suffering. My performance at work was then suffering because I my head wasn't in the game. And so, I just And what cracked. goes out the window when you get that busy it's usually what was it the treatment your treatment for your yeah. eating disorder goes yeah. out the window goes out the delay. window I was at stasis for about a year and I did have kind of a come to Jesus moment with one of my doctors and she said Bethany you're not making any improvement and it's just because I wasn't living I was absolutely just surviving at the bare level so while I'm supposed to be actively making different food choices and being really aware of the signals that my body is giving me about whether I'm hungry or stressed or anxious I was just trying to figure out if I could stay awake mm. um, and so all of that stuff is coming together to make me realize that not only am I not taking steps toward my dream I'm not taking steps towards anything I'm literally just base level surviving right now 
I think a lot of people are doing that. Like I would look at my schedule and see zero free time and think, what if I had children? There are people listening to this right now who are doing that plus kids and trying to be a good parent and trying to attend the soccer games and trying to, you know, come in once a week to be the classroom parent. And at some point you're not giving anything because you're trying to give everything. One of the things I talk about a lot with clients and you and I have had this conversation in the past. When you're committed to living your purpose, when you make this change that I am going to bring my purpose to life, I'm going to find out what it is. I'm going to give my gifts to the world. There's a certain hierarchy that you have to operate under and it's you got to give to yourself first mm-hmm. then you got to make time for your higher power connection whether that's god the universe mother earth nature whatever you believe in and then you give to other people 99.9 percent of us and i know this is where my journey started when i hit rock bottom you wake up in the morning you're immediately in the email yes <laughs> right? yes you are which is great brendan burchard is the great quote that your inbox is just a well-organized agenda of everybody else's vision for your day it's true Oh my gosh, that's totally true. And it's everybody, no one's just emailing you to say hi and you're lovely. They always need something. Yeah. It's just, we need, 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 need. And you literally just roll over and we all do this. We go straight for the phone. That's how we start our day. Yeah. And then from there, it's work commitments. It's family commitments. And the pushback, and you tell me if this is true for you, because I know this is how I felt and I hear it from every client I first start working with. The feeling is if I put myself first, if I find one hour a day for me, I'm being selfish. Yeah. Oh, totally. We've been given this message our whole lives that the more selfless you can be, it's almost like a badge of honor. It goes along with a badge of honor given to working through your vacation because it means you're so committed oh my god or yes. or not sleeping I like oh I didn't get any sleep last night and you say it with pride mm-hmm. like that's that's just what we put a lot of status on and it's so not true it's you know you hear parents say if I take me time I'm being selfish no you can't give to your kids if you got nothing yeah it's very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs like the base is like food clothing shelter that's all about you you have to have food, clothing, and shelter, or you cannot survive to reach enlightenment and give to everybody else. I always tell people, I'm like, find an hour a day for yourself. That's a big thing I'll talk about with clients. And people, oh, Dan, I do not have an hour. I do not I have an hour. It is literally, if you figure it out, seven hours a week, that is 4% of your total week. But if you can't give yourself 4% of your time, how are you ever going to be able to move forward in the direction that you want to go? But we're conditioned from an early age. Like if you have kids, look at how your childhood was versus how your kid's childhood is. We were told you get one thing to do over the summer or during school because part of that was because we were, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So it was like you got dance lessons. And then the summertime, we're like, you have one class we're signing you up for, maybe two, but the rest of it is go play. We We had a lot of homework but we didn't have homework that sent us into sleepless nights we weren't working all night with homework I feel like now kids have so much of their days that are just crammed full of stuff that we're teaching them not to take advantage of personal time and not to value Mm. that I just you know and I don't have kids I don't want to like tell people how to parent but it's just sort of cats though i do and and i do and they have no classes that they have to go to and that's on purpose and no boundaries no loki was trying to drink my iced chai tea over here he was (laughs) he's actually pouting very much right now because you would not let him have it you get to this point where it's really a breaking point for you Mm -hmm. that you knew you had to make a change yep you go to have the conversation with the people closest to you in your life your friends your family your co-workers Mm mm-hmm how is that process? Were there people in your life that are like, Bethany, what the hell are you doing? I think the people who know me 
saw it coming before I saw it coming. Like when I would go, my family's still in the Midwest. So when I would go home, the first two days of me being home was just me sleeping. You know, I would normally sleep uh, 15 hours a night when I first got home. And I just was sort of half there all the time. And it was just being exhausted. I mean, it, it there was some stress, but it was just a lot of exhaustion. And so I think anybody who knew me well knew that this was not sustainable for much longer. And so when I told my family and friends, I think there was a certain amount of relief because they just kind of saw me operating at, at nothing. And I think a lot of people were worried about my health. Well, well, coworkers wonderful. were like bowled over and people th- are surprised. Yeah. 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 Coworkers uh, there. I felt a lot of guilt with that because it's a family. But again, I think they saw they knew the eating disorder stuff. They knew that I was in treatment. And I, and I think that they had seen some of the stress as well. For the person who's listening today, who is right there on the ledge, they're thinking about making a big change in their life. Right. They're in whatever the job is for them. There are soul-sucking careers. There are careers that maybe aren't soul-sucking, but you've gone as far as you can go, that you've right. plateaued. Right. And you're looking to make a change. One of the things that you've done today is you've broken down three steps for people Actionable who Actionable items. Yes. Yes. Which we love that because so many times people are like, great, follow my bliss. <laughs> How the <laughs> F do I do that, yeah. Mason? Yes. So you've broken this down into three steps that people can take today if they're questioning, if right. they're tiptoeing up to the ledge and they're looking off the cliff, but they're not ready to leave. Yeah. So this isn't for the person who has like started their own perfumery business in their basement. Like if you've already started or you're, you're like trying to hustle, this is not for you. This is for the person that I was three years ago, two years ago, who hadn't really said out loud what I was thinking. So the first step is to say what your dream is out loud to yourself. This is important because this dream that you always wanted to do can sometimes be so precious that you're afraid to even say it to yourself that this is a thing you want. You may not feel like you deserve it. You may feel it's like selfish to want to do more, to want to do something for yourself. Not just thinking it, but saying it out loud to yourself is step number one. It's so funny because we talk about telling the truth to people around us. Half the time we can't even tell the truth to ourselves. No, I know. And I know somebody who wants to be an actor and they are in a completely different profession because they told me acting is so precious to me that I don't even want to say it out loud. Because it's like if he touches it, it will fall apart. He just loves it so much that he can't even say it. Wow. So that's why you have to say it out loud to yourself. I was in the room one of the days, uh, I guess it was the day that you spoke it out loud. We were in Santa Fe for the Elvis Duran show retreat. I was one of the speakers there and I got to do a seminar with you guys. And you got really honest. I mean, you laid everything out that day. Yeah, it was the first time I told my coworkers that I had an eating disorder and it was the first time I told them that I loved acting. I was more afraid to tell them about the acting part than I was about the eating disorder. Why is that? That's interesting. Because the eating disorder wouldn't necessarily threaten my job. But I think that there was this fear that if they knew I loved other things, they would not like it because Mm. I wanted them to know that radio was my priority that like I wasn't gonna shirk on my job because I wanted to do something else and so I didn't know what they were gonna think and so it's really and again I'm not passionate about having an eating disorder I'm passionate about acting Mm -hmm. and writing and performing and the thing that you're most passionate about can be the hardest thing to tell people because you you know what are they gonna say no one wants to be laughed at and what was interesting in that moment though nobody laughed in fact 
the entire room, 15, 20 people in that room that just rallied around you. Well, in part that of it was because I was sobbing. Anybody who would have laughed at a person who's sobbing is kind of an ass. But, but. No, well, but there was an amount of vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. You know, I tell people all the time, the only way that you can really be loved for who you are, which is what we want, can you see me at my messiest? Yeah. Can you see the smallest parts of me that I'm not even sure are lovable and will you still be there for me? Yeah, yeah. But unless you give people the chance to show up for you by showing that to them, you it's almost like you make other people small by hiding it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you need to give people credit. So I said it out loud and I have to say it's so freeing. And that's actually step two is is after you get the strength to say it out loud to yourself and make it real, you have to say it out loud to other people as often as possible. That's for two reasons. Number one, to own it again Mm -hmm. because it's different to own it to yourself than it is to own it in front of other people and the other thing is because you never know who's going to hear it and who can help you and I feel like that's different from the idea of networking because networking is going into a room of people with the goal of making a connection that can help you I feel like saying it out loud to people as often as possible is more about just putting it out into the universe and then synchronicities will happen if they're meant to happen but not doing it with the goal of like god i hope a record label exec hears me talk about djing i just feel like that's a different energy it's those times when you're in the right place at the right time though and you meet the exact person that you need to meet in that moment yeah i was just talking to somebody the other day who um really wants to move into directing she was just talking to a friend about it and was just like oh yeah I just I think I'd like to try directing and the friend is like I'm working on a project right now do you want to direct it and 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 there's no reason that that should have been a thing and she didn't expect it but it just happened even if you go back to the earliest wisdom traditions you go back and you just like look at the bible like it doesn't say god took three teaspoons of baking soda mixed it with some flour some water a little vinegar and then there was light like the thing i love about like the sort of just the metaphor the first like chapter of the bible is just let he said out loud let there be light yeah and there was light yeah I think that that's such like great symbolism just for being able to declare what you want and then trusting that sort of energetically the universe is going to move the chess pieces so that you meet the person that you need to meet. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Just putting it out there as words, giving it a form, declaring it. You know, it's why people say I'm an alcoholic. Like you have to own it. You have to declare it before any other steps can be made. And I think it's more important than people give it credit. The other part is not just in terms of getting what you want, but your truth frees other people to learn and to be able to just see your example and to connect with you. I think so. I think that it validates that this is something that is worth spending time with when i spoke that day in santa fe here i am like this brand new coach i'm in a room full of like the greatest content creators in the united (laughs) states and it was stressful for me i'm like i I know that i know these people but how do i hold their attention for two hours and do i even want to share my story is that too much about me and then finally i got to the point where i just said f it i'm gonna go up and i'm gonna do my thing and part of my presentation was sharing my experience about being unfulfilled in a media career. And do you remember what you came up and said to me afterwards in the lobby of the hotel? Nope. I remember. (laughs) Was it witty? (laughs) It it wasn't. Actually, you were still crying. You were in a really, you were in a really, you were in a really raw place. I cried most of that, most of that day. You came up and you wrapped your arms around me and gave gave me this huge hug. And you said, everything that came out of your mouth was exactly what I needed to hear today. 
Oh, wow. But I look at our relationship now as just being the synchronistic thing, that we were there, like, in the right place at the right time. I said something that landed for you, and I look at that as sort of being the beginning of you getting serious about really— I think that having you in that area, that space, and giving your talk— I think opened up that dialogue then. So it wasn't like we were talking about how to network and then I just start to sob and say, I want to act like you. (laughs) (laughs) You were talking, you know, I mean, I think it all fed into each other really nicely. So I think it was very very triggered by this networking talk. It's just very, it's just taking me back to a very raw place about networking. So, no, I think that was very synchronistic. I think it was really important. The first two steps here, say what you want out loud. Yes. Second step is to say it to as many people as you can so that you can keep owning it, but also that so you can unlock the doors to meet the people that you're going to meet. Yes. Let me ask you a question about that, though. When you say it to as many people as you can, does it free you up at all to meet some of the naysayers or the people who want to be judgy McJudgerson about your dream? Is that a concern for you at all? Um, It's definitely going to happen. But what you get from it is more than what could be taken away, if that makes sense. Like in announcing what I wanted to do and then ultimately making the decision to leave the show, I've had hundreds of people reach out and say, you're so brave. You've inspired me. You make me feel like my dreams are valid. I've had like three people say to me, this was stupid. Why did you do this? That's a percentage I'm okay with. And even if everybody in your life says you're an idiot, it's up to you then to find better people to surround you with because these people clearly are not going to be able to build you up the way you need. It's very easy though for most of us to like, we can have an army of 300 people behind you, but you'll direct your attention to the two people in your life that said something shitty to you along the way. It's evolution. I mean, you know, when we were living in caves, we needed to know the bad people so we could hide from them right if our brain didn't pick out the bad people and focus on the bad ones we'd all be dead so we're we're still dealing with you know our reptile brains when it's 2018 um so now it's just a matter of forcing yourself to really focus on the positive even though your brain wants to focus on the negative so we got the first two steps here that you have when it comes to making your dream real step number three step number three is to start And that sounds overwhelming and terrible, but it is to make the smallest possible step forward you can make. Mm. Like I almost challenge you to make your first step be the least productive step you can make, but to make it. Mm -hmm. And that's because it's going to be so overwhelming. If you're like me, all of your anxiety is going to kick in. And so instead of being like, okay, I want to be an actor, Okay, I have to get new headshots. I have to get my resume set up. I have to have my website. I have to go on the other websites and I have to update my contact information. Instead, it's like, okay, I want to be an actor. I am going to log on to backstage.com. Done. Done for the day. That was your first step. Because you're creating a space for yourself to start to do things, but you're not looking at it as this whole. If it's so overwhelming, you're not going to do it. Almost make it a game. And then tomorrow you can take maybe a larger step. But like step one, just make it really small. Mm-hmm. Just just crack the door open a little bit. Well, 30 small action steps over the course of a month will still move you closer to your dream than where you were at a month ago. Yes, and exactly. Most, it, it, was it the case for you where you were so paralyzed by the fear? You know, because sometimes you see your dream. It's like you're looking up at the mountaintop and you can see it. You know exactly what you want your life to be. Then you realize there's an entire goddamn mountain between you and the- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so daunting. And if you're doing the social media thing of comparing yourself to everybody else, you're just never going to win. 
in. I'm coming at this from somebody who has a lot of anxiety. So I know that this is what works for me. If you're Lady Gaga and you're like, you have seven sets of balls, you can go ahead and like get your agent tomorrow. But I think for most people, allow yourself to start really small. And then as you take more steps in your free time, when you have that hour a day to yourself, it's important to to not do too much that you cannot sustain. And that's where I went wrong is I was burning all of my candles at both ends and a little in the middle and I couldn't sustain it. And that's why I just, I was working on um, the web series that I produced with my producing partner, John. At one point he was like, do you want to direct an episode? And I just dissolved into tears and I wasn't participating in that episode because I couldn't even think straight enough to plan shots or read the script or do anything there's like one whole episode where I'm only in like two scenes because I Mm -hmm. just couldn't be there and that's not helping yourself that's not helping your dreams you really have to set some strong boundaries with yourself and say look if this is all I can do right now this is more than I was doing a month ago and I firmly believe that if you show that you're making the effort that you can the universe will see that and meet you halfway and sometimes you have to do 80% of it and the universe is like yep because you had to learn those lessons and then the universe will meet you with 20 but I'm convinced sometimes you got to do 5% because that's all you have to give and the universe is like yep I see you you made the effort here's 95% I firmly believe that Where have you seen that in your life is evidence? Has there been a recent example? I know we use the word synchronicity a lot, but I think all of the synchronicities that have happened, like, so I announced my departure and I left and I think one week later, maybe a day later, it was like a really stupid small amount of time. I got an email from a casting agent saying like, hey, I heard that you were leaving and I heard you want to act. Do you want to come and audition for this major project? Wow. And, you know, that to me was a sign that, that was the universe saying like you took this big step here's a giant opportunity and of course an audition is like a one in a million shot that you're going to get it but it was a sign to me that things are out there for you doors will open for you Mm -hmm. that wouldn't have if you hadn't created that space and that goes back to saying it out loud if i had just left the morning show and not told anyone why this person wouldn't have reached out i wouldn't have made that contact like you just have to keep saying it out loud because you never know who's walking down the street and and here's it you've talked about your relationship with anxiety now that you're in a space where you are speaking up more freely and authentically about what you want and what your desires are has the level of anxiety changed for you at all yeah oh totally i'm operating with not quite full yet i still don't feel rested but like more I have more reserves and so a lot of times the anxiety was a result of just having nothing left to give because I was so tired or I had so much going on in my head that I was that I was trying to balance so I'm always going to have a certain level of anxiety because it's the way my brain is wired but the amount that I can manage has gone down so much um, it's not your baseline anymore. Is right. that fair to? Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm able to be more aware of where my brain is going. So if I feel my brain veering off into a direction it doesn't need to go, I am aware of it enough to be able to pull it back. Whereas before it was so scattered in a million different places that I wasn't even aware it was going off in, mm-hmm. in a bad direction. Being able to work out regularly, which I wasn't able to do, that just helps your brain chemically. And having eight hours of sleep eating healthy food, like the basic things that we're taught as little kids to do, we somehow lose that as we become adults. Mm -hmm. And we were taught it for a reason. Your body needs good food and sleep to sustain itself. It's not a selfish thing to try and get that. I think that that is such an important, because I have a lot of clients who come to me with anxiety. It's 
everywhere. If you allow yourself to feel the feelings typically that you run from, mm-hmm. it, you know, because most of us are like, oh, I'm feeling negative emotions. I've got to numb out. I've got to find more work. I'm going to go out and have a drink. I'm going to dick around on social media and look through Facebook and Instagram, whatever I can do to not feel the feelings. But simply just giving yourself the space to show up and feel what's real for you. Yeah. Then you realize you're separate from it. It can. I always feel like the emotion can kind of pass through you. And there's a difference between anxiety that is brought on by things around you and anxiety that is just chemicals in your body. And so I want to make sure that we make that distinction because like, I'm always going to have to manage this chemical anxiety the way that people who have diabetes have to manage diabetes Mm -hmm. like it's not going to go away because of positive thinking Um, but that said the kind of situational anxiety that can come on that is better to manage when you have the space that you give yourself and even if it's like if giving yourself an hour seems just daunting take kind of a longer shower and give yourself 10 minutes to not have your phone on to lock the bathroom door and keep your kids away and breathe that is going to give you the mental space to be able to deal with that situational anxiety. I don't even take showers. I give myself over to the shower. Yeah, <laughs> dude. I am like, shower, take me. Like, the ho- oh my gosh. There was a period of time where I would only take showers sitting down because that was my crying time. Mm. And it sounds sad, but it's not. It's like if you're a crier and you need to get that out, sit down at the bottom of your shower, let it wash over your back, go in the fetal position and just cry. No one knows you're doing it. It feels so good. And it's like a cocoon. And then you get back up and you and you do your day. Well, it's being present with your feelings and being present for yourself. Yes, And making that decision that, you know, I can take care of me. I don't need another job or I don't need a pay raise or I don't need a relationship that I can be present with myself. I am a huge proponent of the shower cry. I, I haven't cried in a while. I'm due for one. But like even just sitting in the bottom of the shower and letting it wash over and being ready to cry if I need to, like being on standby. And then if nothing comes, it's kind of disappointing because a good cry is fabulous. But like, (laughs) dude, I just am such a fan. Like I joke about going into the shower to cry, but I really do it. It's great. I highly recommend it. Cry, like stop this podcast and go cry in the Uh, shower. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to pause this for a second. I want to start like a group of like the shower cry friends. And we're just like, are you going to go like on meetup.com and start a new group we all have our own jackets that's uh that's weird (laughs) that's a little weird but if it gets you where you need to go Mm -hmm. i'm not here to judge gotta be a shower cry friend so a year from now yeah you've made this i mean you're about what a month removed from making this big decision in your career i think we're in week five okay yeah so tell me about week 52 from the from the idea of putting your dream out there where do you want to be at week 52 so if we're like concrete or like mental space are we talking like flowers or are we talking like what my day looks like you tell me what are you going to be doing at week 52 week 52 i would like to have sold at least one of the shows i'm trying to sell which is two right now so 50 percent. i want to be on a set directing myself in the show that i've helped create you want to be or you will be i will be on a set language is everything <laughs> Directing myself in a show that I've helped create. Girl. Yeah. I love that. What's interesting (laughs) is your whole energy just changed as you stepped into that vision. You sort of got brighter in the face and you sort of set up. That's again like saying it out loud. Just say it out loud. Even in the shower. 
while I, you're shower crying. Say it out loud. I wish we had video of this because your <laughs> entire physiology changed. It's just something that I'm so not just passionate about, but excited about because there really is no other option. The thing that I have going for me, but also the thing that sucks is that I declared what I wanted to do to a listenership of several millions of people. Mm-hmm. And so I have people regularly checking in and saying, so how's that going? And not in a mean way, but just like, when can we see you again? What project are you going to be on? So there's a certain amount of like extreme accountability, but it's something that I'm I'm passionate about. And, and that's another reason that I knew that I had to take the next step is because wanting to move into a creative field as a creator, I had nothing to give because I was so tired and drained and there was no creativity in me. You can't create when you're only consuming. Yes. And when you're I'm gonna just make a surviving. a card on do Instagram it. about that. Needlepoint that. Yeah. Mm. So I do this thing on Instagram now and I've been doing it for a while uh, where... I hang out in my apartment and if my cats are being weird, I film them with British accents, terrible British accents, Mm -hmm. and I call it Mountain Abbey. And (laughs) this has gotten more traction than anything I've ever done, including the web series that we labeled the web series, labeledseries.com. It's maddening, but... A friend of mine reached out. She said, I love Mountain Abbey. And I said, is this a sign that I'm losing my mind or is this a sign that I'm getting my creativity back? And she's an actor and a performer. And she was like, no, honey, this is a sign you're getting your creativity back. Like, I promise this is a good thing. So I'm taking her at her word. Like, it's sort of like recovering from an injury, slowly feeling my reserves come back enough that I can see something and think that something is funny and create something from that. I feel like creativity is like, it's a muscle, right? Like, yeah. It will atrophy if you're not using it yeah. over time. Yeah. So you got to get back into shape. And if you're not feeding it, if you're not giving it water, like it's it, your muscles will dwindle and die if you're not eating right. If you're not feeding, and I wasn't feeding that creativity muscle. One more question that came up a lot in the private Facebook group for Life Amplified. People want to know when the fear comes up, when you have those moments of fear. Yeah. When there's an audition that you're going to go to, when you're getting ready to walk into a pitch meeting, how do you even deal with the moments of fear? Okay. I have three, three options. Okay. Because I use all of them. So if you're walking into um, a pitch meeting or if you have a big meeting, like you're going to ask for a raise or you're going to whatever, whatever you're nervous about that involves somebody else and like you're there. Could be about having a conversation in your relationship, yep. like a tough conversation, right? Yep. Okay. Anything that involves interacting with another human being and you're nervous to do it. This is going to sound insane, but it works. Create an alter ego and let that person do it for you. I don't think that's insane at all. It works better than anything I've ever tried before. It's it's your Sasha Fierce. It's my Sasha Fierce. It's the Beyonce thing. And we talked about it on the podcast that I do um, with the two of the women for the morning show. We decided to all create alter egos. And I took it really seriously because I knew I actually had a meeting coming up with an agent about this show that I was working on. And so her (laughs) her name is Buffy Witherspoon. She is good at all of the things that I'm not. She's incredibly business-minded. She's really confident. She rocks a pair of killer heels and red lipstick all the time. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas morning and she just woke up or if she's at a meeting. Anytime I've had to walk into a meeting or take a phone call, I will literally put on a pair of heels and put on red lipstick and embody Buffy Witherspoon and she does it for me. And it is so 
helpful. It's like you just have to give it a shot. It really is kind of magical how it works. I also think that sometimes it's helpful to name that insecure small part of you. Because if you're naming Buffy Witherspoon, it almost implies that Bethany is the scared person who's nervous about going in. That's mm-hmm. not you either. This so is true. Sometimes if you can name that negative part of yourself, the anxiety-ridden part of yourself, then it creates separation from that also. I think if you can do both, it's. I think it's about what you're putting your focus on. Mm-hmm. Like if it's like, okay, I'm naming the scared part of me, Evan. And so Evan, you go over there. I'm thinking about Evan. If I say, okay, now, Evan, you're over here and Buffy, you're here. Now I'm feeling better because now I got Buffy. So I know Evan's over there. He's safe in a box. And now Buffy's like about to do the Mm -hmm. thing. So I would recommend that. Okay. I would also recommend like last night was the first time that I had any anxiety about really leaving my job like I started doing numbers in my head but I was only half awake so those numbers didn't make sense Loki is trying to walk over (laughs) all the equipment okay um so that is literally just breathing through it and and forcing yourself to take your focus off of it and onto something else I mean that's just like brute force the other thing is something that my mom always says which is the veil of fear is very thin Something can seem so insurmountable, but then once you push through it, you realize like, oh, that wasn't that hard. My, my first radio boss used to always say too, like 99% of the things you're terrified are going to happen never actually happen. And if you think back of all the things you were afraid were going to happen, I guarantee you the majority never did. So it's also just kind of talking yourself through and saying, look, it's not that scary. Like once you're there, the anticipation is the worst. Once you're there, it's probably going to be better. Was it Gary Busey who says fear is false, false evidence appearing real or something? Like it's- it was either him or Deepak Chopra. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, kind of the same. <laughs> Gary Busey is the Deepak Chopra of the acting world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he, With bigger teeth. Yeah. But that's also true. Like, it's a lot of false stuff that you're making up, probably, that, like, not to victim blame you, but, like, you know, a lot of it is probably being invented, and it might not be real at all. The big shift, I think, is when people realize your brain was never designed to make you happy. Yes, it's It's, true. It's literally a survival device. It's going back to to why we focus on the negative. We're still working with brains that are designed for us to be living in the wild, trying to stay alive. We're working with brains that are just not up to speed. (laughs) It's like, no, it's literally like trying to get the new iPhone, but operate on iOS 1. Yeah. What the hell? It's It's like having a crank car, but being on the Autobahn. You just are trying to make it make it work but when you realize that whatever it is you're going against even for you like worst thing that happens right what's the worst thing that could happen for you i run out of money then what like i'm dealing i'm you know i have a savings account i run out of money what's the worst thing that happens if you run out of money i have to move back to the midwest and live with my family what's the worst thing that happens if you move back to the midwest and live with your family i mean i'll feel like i failed Mm -hmm. um And And what's the worst thing that happens if you fail? Then I start over, get a job at Starbucks and start over, which is not death. No, it's not. But most of the time your brain processes whatever, just tack on the words and then I'll die to whatever you're afraid of. And that's actually an anxiety tool for people who have anxiety disorder that what's the worst that could happen and then and then and then is a great way to push through that stuff it's brilliant because it's true you always end up to like and then i'll be living with my parents like that's sort of like the worst and then you build from there but in 52 weeks we've already established where you're going to be so this isn't an issue yes so good thoughts my friend i am so proud of you thank you this was this was so much fun and i um one thing i want to do more of is like talk to people about Mm -hmm. this stuff and so i'm really grateful that you gave me this platform 
let's go hit the road. Let's go take this show on the road. <laughs> let's let's do go it. inspire people. <laughs> We're the Ira Glass of motivational speaking. Yes, you want Bethany and I to come to your town <laughs> and motivate your organization? P.S. If you know anyone who knows Ira Glass, I am currently looking to start a romantic liaison with him. Oh, okay. Even though I don't date and I'm not looking to date at all, I would like to start a romantic liaison with Ira Glass. Got it. Well, I mean, you are speaking that out into the universe right now. <laughs> no, I'm speaking it to myself and to others as oh. much as possible. Well, I can't wait to have you guys on for a joint interview <laughs> in 52 weeks while you're doing <laughs> We are manifesting like crazy. Dude, shower cry, Ira Glass. In all seriousness, from the time you and I first met in Santa Fe yeah. to seeing where you are right now and the amount of courage that you've shown along the way. Bethany's getting a little misty eyed right now as I say this. I see like the big smile. But just seeing the amount of courage that you've shown up with. I know that none of what you've been through over the past year and a half that I've known you has been easy. But you've shown up and you kept putting one foot in front of the other. Even on the days when you weren't sure what direction you were going in, you yeah. kept moving. And here you are. And this is everything that you talked about. And it's going to be really cool for me to watch how this unfolds for you. Thank you. We've, so, we've always had this joke between the two of us about one of the things I've always wanted to do is play an alien on mm -hmm. a show on the sci-fi channel. And um, so every once in a while, you'll just say to me, like, alien, you yeah. know, or like, alien kicking butt. And yeah. that's sort of like shorthand for like, you're doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. So I'm, I'm very excited. So like in 52 weeks when you're producing a Netflix original show, yeah. then you have to come back. You yes. can't be too big to come back. We'll Dude, I'll again. be down the street. I'm yeah, not, right? I love New York. I'm staying right here. All right, my friend. All the best to you. Much love. Thank you, Dan Mason. I love the vulnerability in that interview. So much honesty and so many just juicy tidbits that you can walk away to make a big change in your life. If you love the interview, please let Bethany and I know you're listening. Just screenshot the podcast, upload it to Twitter or Instagram. You can find Bethany on Instagram at Ms. Bethany Watson, or you can find her on Twitter at Radio Bethany. You can find me up on both platforms at CSC Dan Mason. If you want to see more of what Bethany's been up to since she walked away from radio, make sure to check out her web series Labeled. It's a show she's co-producing and stars in about a fictional record label in New York City. You can find that at labeledseries.com. And if you're looking to navigate a big major life transition and you need a coach or mentor to help you get clarity on what you want and develop an action plan to achieve it, I've got your back. Find out how you can work with me. I've got a couple VIP spots opening up here in the month of April. You can find me on the web, creativesoulcoaching.net. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to spend with us this week. we got listeners right now across all 50 states of the U.S. and across 20 countries. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here. It is my deepest honor and privilege to serve you. Look forward to talking to you next week. In the meantime, turn down the volume on your negativity, turn up the volume on your purpose so you can get out there and live life amplified. 